Hello and welcome to Unabridged, the weekly podcast where teachers take on books. This is Sarah. Join us for bookish episodes and a monthly book club pick. This is Ashley. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Unabridged Pod or go to our website, unabridgedpod.com, where the books we read are linked for purchase. This is Jen. Check out our Teachers Pay Teachers store, our Patreon page, and our newsletter. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to support us. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hi, and welcome to Unabridged. This is episode 139, our season four recommendations for each other. Be sure to check out our website and our social media platforms. We are launching a new program with season four the Unabridged Ambassadors. This is a free program for our listeners. So if you are a fan of the show and you're loving it and you would like to join us, check that out. You can go to unabridgedpod.com slash ambassadors to find out more information. Before we get started with our recommendations for each other, we want to begin the way we always do with our bookish check-in. So Sarah, what are you reading? So I apparently am on a nonfiction book kick, especially (laughs) in my when I'm um, walking or in my earbuds or I'm cleaning. So I've been listening to a lot of nonfiction on audio. I just finished our Eric Thomas's here for it, which was absolutely amazing. And I am now I've just started Lori Gottlieb's. Maybe you should talk to someone, a therapist, her therapist and our lives revealed. I'm only about an hour into the audiobook, but I'm really loving it. I love the way that she talks frankly about mental, like our mental health and how people don't hesitate to talk about like their physical ailments and but that that mental ailments have become talking about mental health has become kind of taboo and it's harder for people to talk about and there is the stigma that surrounds it. And I just really appreciate her honesty. She talks about her own struggles and how she she's a therapist, but she also has to go to a therapist when when something really terrible happens to her. And I mean, I just really like it. She's very frank and matter of fact. And and it's also really funny. She's got a lot of humor and wit in her pages. So I'm really enjoying it so far. I've just started it. But so far, hopping from here for it into maybe you should talk to someone has been a really good decision for me. And I'm really enjoying it and learning. So that is what I am reading. That sounds great. Yeah. I really love that one. What about you, Jen? What are you reading? I am reading Sylvia Moreno Garcia's Mexican Gothic. This is a buddy read with Bookish Ladies Club. I'm about a fourth of the way in. So we've just finished the first reading section. And I am a real fan of Miranda Garcia's. I think she is absolutely amazing. And she has this really distinct style. Her writing is beautiful, but she dips into all of these different genres, which I always think is really cool. So this one, it's called Mexican Gothic. It is a Gothic novel. Uh, No surprise there. And it begins with this young woman who is at this really luxe party And it's this costume party and she's called home by her father. Her name is Noemi and he has received a letter from her cousin, Catalina, who was recently married. She ran away to get married because she knew that her uncle would not approve. Her uncle raised her after her parents died under horrible circumstances. And the letter is really disturbing. She is writing about some supernatural things happening 
and seems to be saying that her husband's family is not treating her right. So her dad, Noemi's dad decides to send Noemi to High Place where Catalina is living to investigate because he's like, you know, if she needs some kind of help, if she needs to, the family says she has tuberculosis, but he's like, that letter does not sound like she has tuberculosis. But if she has tuberculosis, you need to get her into treatment. If it's something else, you need to bring her home. We need to make sure she's okay. So Noemi travels to High Place and it's this really strange estate in the middle of Mexico, but everyone there speaks English. It's got all this weird, I don't know, all of these weird affectations associated with it. And her, her cousin's, what would he be, grandfather-in-law, I guess, is just weirdly racist, like to Noemi the first time she meets him. And then that the first section ends. So like, that's as far as I've gotten, but it is very strange. It is setting up all of these sort of unsettling tropes, which I really like. I like, I like Gothic novels. So I'm all about being unsettled apparently, but yeah, so it's great. (laughs) I know it's so weird, but it's great so far. So like I said, I'm only a fourth of the way through, but she's a proven author for me. So I imagine I will enjoy it. That's what I'm looking forward to reading that one. I don't usually do like we talk a lot on here about how I don't read a lot of thrillers, but I do really like Gothic works. And so that one has the right, the right atmospheric vibe for me. So I'm looking forward to reading that. Yeah. What are you reading, Ashley? So I wanted to talk about one that I've actually already read because it moved very quickly, but I wanted to share it because I absolutely loved it. And it is Tang Ha Lies Inside Out and Back Again. And this is a novel in verse, and it, it, I would say it's middle grade, even Mm -hmm. it could even go probably fifth and up, Yeah. but it, it, and it is a novel in verse, but it is based on her own life experiences. So even though she does not call it a memoir, a lot of what happens to the main character in this story is, is similar to her own life experiences. So what it is about is a family that is fleeing Vietnam during the Vietnam War. And it starts with them in Vietnam, and then things are falling apart. They, they're they struggling with whether to leave. Her father is missing, and they're hoping for him to come home. So there's a long time that they are trying to stay there so that he can return to them. But then the mom is becoming more and more aware of how they need to get out of their, you know, they need to get to safety. And it's the the youngest daughter who is telling the story and then there are three brothers and so the three brothers have conflicting feelings about this and are kind of pulled in different directions but as the story progresses they move from vietnam they're on a ship so there's a lot i just thought it was like a really great i guess i shouldn't say all of the things that happen but i mean basically it is the story of refugees Mm -hmm. it is a story of having to flee from a country that you love and from your home and to travel somewhere else. And then it is the vulnerability and the sense of loss at arriving in a new place. So it is the movement from them in Vietnam to America ultimately. And so it's really about that journey. And what I loved about it, particularly, I think what makes this story stand out is the way that it is told from a young person's perspective. And I think that part is really powerful for kids. So I loved reading it, but I also think it would be great in the classroom. And this one is highly acclaimed, mm-hmm. but I just think it it's great because it's so accessible. Like I said, I've already finished it because it read very quickly. And 
I think that for students, the fact that it is written in verse is really amazing, but then also the perspective of the child's experience is just really remarkable because I think that that really helps kids understand and, you know, young people understand what it is like to be a young person who has to flee a country. And so, and again, it, it touches on a lot of the experiences in Vietnam. I mean, Saigon falls during them, the transition. And so I think it also gets into some historical components. So I love it for that part too, that while it is very focused on one family's experiences, it also is about the Vietnamese culture. It's about the war itself. And so I think there's a lot of nice tie-ins there to some really important historical events. So again, that is Tang Hai Lai's Inside Out and Back Again. And have y'all both read that? Yeah, I have. Yeah. I really nice. loved it. I really loved it. I love the access point for young people to, mm-hmm. I think, and I agree with you, Ashley, I think it could get skew upper elementary through middle easily. Mm-hmm. And I think high school students could get something out of it too. I think it's just a really well-rounded story and it has multiple access points for readers of all ages, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think it has it. I think she wrote a sequel recently. I'm not positive about that, but I feel like I saw that. Awesome. I added to my never ending wish list. <laughs> I'll check and let you know. <laughs> so today we are going to be making recommendations for each other. This is something we do from time to time. And of course, we are always talking books and we're always making recommendations, but we try to make a conscious effort to set aside a time to say, I really love this book because, and I think you should read it because, and part of why we enjoy doing that is because we love thinking about each other's personalities and the things that we specifically love. So while there are books that we recommend to everybody because we love them so much, we enjoy tailoring these to each other's personalities. So that's what we're going to be working on today. And let's get started with Jen. Jen, what do you want to recommend for us today? I felt like that was coming my way. All right. <laughs> so, I was trying to remember who I started with last time, but you know I'm bad at that. So I, I okay. always lose track too. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard over the course of an episode. But all right. So for Sarah, I, I will just say we all put down like a paragraph's worth of recommendations to pull from. So I have a lot of options I could go with, but I think with where you are now, this will be perfect. So it is nonfiction and I <laughs> listened and the audio was great and it is read by the author. So it is... My Friend Anna, The True Story of a Fake Heiress by Rachel Deloche Williams. And she, it is her story, but she also does read it. So it is memoir, but it's like hyper-focused on this one part time in her life. So Rachel is, she is a journalist. She happens to meet this woman named Anna Delvey, who is a German heiress And she's this amazing friend and they start hanging out together and they just have these great experiences and they travel together. And Anna is just always picking up the tab. Like she's just always paying for everything. And Rachel feels bad, but there's no way Rachel can afford the things that they're doing. And so she's like, you know, she tries to pay her back when she can, but she just can't always do it. Well, they go to Marrakesh and they stay at this five-star hotel And it all falls apart. And all of a sudden, Anna is like not paying the bills. She's acting really weird. Rachel is getting called in by all of these people who are like, why are you not paying for these services that we're giving you? Why are you not paying for these things that were, you know, these meals or these services? And Rachel is just 
totally, totally bewildered because this was not at all the arrangement that she had understood that she had with Anna. By the time she is finally able, like her passport's taken at one point because she has not, because they want her to pay before they give her a passport back. I mean, it is really bad. By the time she's finally able to leave Marrakesh, she has charged over $50,000 on her credit cards. Wow. <laughs> and she Yikes. just, so, and, and I don't want to give away everything, but she feels betrayed. She is really confused. She feels stupid because she feels like she, she thought that their friendship was clear, but then she feels like she didn't ask the right questions. And so she starts trying to unravel this mess she's gotten herself in. And it's basically like a journalistic investigation from that point on. So Sarah, I just think you would love it because I think there's a lot about lifestyle and about the lifestyle people lead and about how we build our identities and sort of taking advantage of this. Like Anna is kind of famous. She's not like on the cover of magazines famous, but she's well known among certain circles. And the way that she's built this reputation, I think is really fascinating the way she uses social media. So I just think there's a lot about it that you'll like. I definitely think Rachel's reading of, I always call a first name when it's the main character of the book, even though it is Delish Williams. But anyway, Rachel Delish Williams, I think does a great job reading the audiobook and I just think it's a really fascinating story. I was totally drawn in and wanted to know the truth behind everything that happened. So that is my friend, Anna, the true story of a fake heiress. That sounds awesome. And it sounds right up my alley. <laughs> I, th- I think you're going to love it. I it sounds like a reality TV show ready yes. to be made. <laughs> yes. Like, I think it could be like a documentary series. I mean, I think, yeah, it is really, I was fascinated and horrified and yeah it's it's pretty pretty great okay so for ashley i am recommending kylie reads such a fun age i know sarah's also read this one so yeah i I really liked it it's it's i think it's right up ashley's alley i think you're gonna love it so such a fun age is a book with an amazing premise and so i'm just gonna start there Amira Tucker is a young woman who acts, or her title's not nanny, but she's basically a nanny for this family, the Chamberlains. The wife and mother, Alex Chamberlain, is sort of the focus of the book. The narrative alternates between Amira's viewpoint and Alex's viewpoint. The book starts when Alex is going through something and she calls Amira on, I think it's on a Friday night. And asks her to come and take her two-year-old daughter, Briar, out of the house. Because they just need her out of the house for a little bit. Amira is out with her friends, dancing. She's dressed in party clothes. But she's like, sure, I'll come get her. So she comes to their house. She gets Briar. Briar is one of my favorite characters in the book, the two-year-old. Briar loves the grocery store. She loves to go to Whole Foods and like look at all the food and smell things. She's really cute. So Amira takes Briar to the grocery store. So I should say that Alex and her family are white and Amira is black. As Amira and Briar are walking through the grocery store, a white woman walks by and is like smiling because Briar's so cute. But then she goes and gets a security guard and says that she thinks something's weird, weird is going on because Amira is there with Briar and 
And so the security guard comes up and asks Amira if this is her kid, what's going on. And it just becomes this horrible incident. There's a man there who's recording the whole thing. And that, that becomes a part of the book later. But ultimately, it's this horrible incident that sets off a plot focused on race and about socioeconomic status and about how we define success. I mean, I can't even possibly begin to address all of the issues the book covers, but it asks great questions that don't have simple answers, which is one of my favorite things. So Ashley, I just think you're going to love it both because it is super fast moving. It talks about these heavy issues, but it never felt like a hard read. It's just that the issues it's talking about are difficult to work through. So I think, I think this is a great book for Ashley. Yeah, that sounds awesome. That one has been recommended to me several times. So I think when we, we've talked before about needing a tipping point to then jump into a book just because that one's not sitting physically on my TBR shelf. So even though it's been recommended, I haven't prioritized it since I don't have other ones waiting basically, but I have heard such great things about it, but I didn't know anything about the plot. So yeah, that sounds super compelling. I can't wait to read that. Yeah. I think you're, I think you'll really like it. I can't wait to see what you think. I'm looking forward to it. Sarah, what about you? What recommendations do you have for us today? So this was really hard to pick what the one that I want to talk about. I just want to talk about them all, but <laughs> so, <laughs> but I'm not going to, I'm going to spare you the monologue, but uh, for Ashley, I, I mentioned in the, the bookish check-in that I just finished our Eric Thomas's here for it. And the whole title of his book, like I said, it's a nonfiction book is here for it or how to save your soul in America essays. And I love this for Ashley because Eric Thomas, especially I want you to, to listen to the audiobook, but he talks about really, really hard things and really, really not hard things at all. Like, so he has this great way of tackling things such as his homosexuality and his faith and the intersection of that and what it means to be black in America and what it means to be gay and black in America and all of those things. But he also has this way of tackling things like his decision to take off his shirt to show an ab, which he had cultivated one ab in a pride <laughs> parade. And I mean, it's just all this really, it's just this book of self-exploration, societal expo exploration, and looking at things through a lens of hindsight and foresight. I mean, it's just, it is magnificent. I loved it so much. And I think, I mean, he is hilarious. I mean, like <laughs> hilarious. And hearing him read his essays with his own, in his own voice and with his own, you know, intonations and, and putting things in and it is just so good. And I just think that you will love it. And I I, I wrote a review for the for our blog about this book, and in it I said that he, even though it is a collection of essays, to me it reads like a memoir because it has this narrative thread of him examining different sections of his life in chronological order. So it so although each essay tackles different topics from like 
really hard topics to super not hard topics. It has this chronological order and narrative thread that kind of moves you through as if it's a memoir. And it's just, it is just, it is fantastic. And I would have recommended it to both of you because I think you both would love it, but I wanted to do two separate, I I didn't want to be, (laughs) I wanted to have my day in the sunshine and and talk about two books, but, um, but here for it, just so good. It is awesome. So that is my pick. Awesome. That's exciting. And I, I love that about, I think I, I could use some humor in my life right now. <laughs> and I love when you can listen to somebody reading something that's funny, that there are funny parts because, you know, that's so, the delivery is so different than on a page. And so that's really nice too for the audio. That sounds great. Yes, it is so very good. I really loved it. <laughs> My choice for Jen is a bit different. Uh, I decided to go YA for Jen. And this is a book that I read a couple of years ago, but I just haven't heard a lot of buzz about it. But I thought it was fantastic for young adults. And this is Sharon Huss wrote How to Disappear. And I think I've probably talked about it in early episodes of the podcast that are probably not even thank goodness, on iTunes any longer. (laughs) (laughs) But that was when we shared mics and all that. We were learning both with sound quality and also with delivery. (laughs) But I, this book is about a a girl named Vicki Decker who suffers from crippling social anxiety. And she basically, when she is out and you know, in the, in public and at school, I mean, she just wants to disappear and she has a best friend, Jenna, who moves away and this kind of um, catapults her into this season of isolation and just, just spending time in your room and trying to not be noticed. Uh, Her mom, and she has some pressure from her mom to be, you know, outgoing and popular and all of this. And that the more that that, that happens, the more Vicky kind of folds into herself. So while she is spending all this time in her room, she comes up with this idea to create kind of an alter ego on social media called Vicurious. And she creates a whole like online persona. She takes all these crazy pictures and she says well, you know, she says things that are inside of her, but that she doesn't feel comfortable saying as Vicky, but she feels like with this whole like, you know, production that she is creating on this social media site, that she is able to say these things. And she's able to reach out to people who feel ignored and alone like she does. And but then it becomes this whole thing about her only living her life through this social media account and really not living in the present Mm -hmm. and not living her, her real, her, like her true existence. And it's just a really excellent examination of the effects of like, you know, likes and follows and the whole dynamic that social media brings into the life of young people and what happens when people have this, have the social anxiety and, and are depressed and how they cope with it and how that affects the life that they're living. And it's, I just thought it was really powerful. I thought it was well done. I really liked how Sharon Huss wrote describes Vicki and how the conclusion came about. 
we, we can talk about this. I'm not going to spoil it, but there's one, there was one part that I thought was a little forced and mm. not my favorite, but the part about, about Vicky's struggle with social anxiety and her kind of culmination of creating the account and all that stuff. I think that you would love it, Jen. And I think as a teacher and a person who is vast reads a vast amount of YA, I think this would be a great one to add to your repertoire. So, so that is how to disappear by Sharon Huss wrote. That sounds so good. I cannot wait to read it. I just, yeah, I've been on this kick accidentally recently of reading all these books about social media or then involve things going viral, like such a fun age was one. So this, this feels like it could just be added to that blog post. Check it out on our website. (laughs) That sounds so good though. Yeah. I think you'll like it. I think you'll like that one one. too. Sarah, it sounds great, but Mm -hmm. I, I do think that's so interesting how things are it's why it's so important for us to talk about the books that we're reading because it's so interesting how some things don't get any buzz and yeah. that sounds like that's super relevant and becomes more and more relevant the more social media is part of our lives. So that sounds great. Ashley, so now we would like to know <laughs> what do you have for us to read? Yeah, so like you all said, I have a long list here. I am contemplating how what we can do with these extra recommendations. Maybe we'll do some bookish faves or something because I do think it's helpful we think again, we think about each other's personalities and then choose the books. And so if you, you know, as listeners are realizing that you have similar preferences to one of us, it is helpful to know what are what's being recommended for us. Um, so I wanted to, I have a long list, but I am going to narrow it down here. And I will start with my recommendation for Sarah. So this one is in in the YA vein also. And what I wanted to recommend is Danielle Clayton's The Bells. And I know that you have heard of this one, but I think why I wanted to recommend it is because it is a fantasy novel. It's fast moving. I think you'll really enjoy the pace and the plot, but also it gets into these really important issues about beauty standards and what people will do to attain them and how far they can take things. And so I think all of that is really riveting. It's dystopian. And so I think that it fits in with some books that I know that you love and have enjoyed, but I think that Danielle Clayton's angle on it is different and that you'll appreciate that part. The the exploration of beauty standards. I guess I should say a little bit about what the story is about, but in this society, everyone is born gray. So they have no, they're kind of shriveled and their skin is really pale and their eyes are like wizened and red. And so, you know, it's that people are by default really, you know, kind of disturbing looking basically. And there are these special people in the society called the Bells who have the capacity to make other people beautiful, to enhance their features in order to make them beautiful. And so people go to all extremes to get the bells to do different things for them. So it's very much an exploration of the ways that we try to enhance ourselves in order to be more appealing to other people. But it also is about how Camille and the other people who are chosen as the bells are locked into their role. And while everyone desires to be like the bells, the bells have their own 
are, are they have their own walls around them that are very restrictive. And so it really gets into an exploration of that and also the ways that people can abuse power. And so I, I think that you would really love it, Sarah. And I think, like I said, that it it complements some other books that you really enjoy, but is different enough. And I did also read The Everlasting Rose, which is the second in the series. And I thought it was great as well. I just think, I think she does a really good job of telling a fascinating and fast moving story in a compelling way that also explores some important societal issues. So again, that's Danielle Clayton's The Bells, and I think you would love it, and I have it, and I'd be happy to share it with you. So <laughs> I'm really, I really want to read that. I am, I have not read a fantasy in a while, so I think that might now might be the best, great time to to read a fantasy book because it's been a, a long, it's been a hot minute since I've read one. <laughs> <laughs> that was part of why I, I chose that one off of, you know, I had a lot of others I thought you would love, but that was part of why I picked that. It's just because I think, I know I have that problem too, that I used to read a lot more fantasy, but now there are just other things that need to be read or that take precedent for whatever reason. And so I miss reading some of the fantasy and dystopian in the way that I used to. So I think that will be a great fit for you. And for Jen... Jen is always a challenge for Sarah and I because she is very well read. And so that makes it where sometimes it's difficult for us to find things to recommend. But I did come up with a list of things, all of which I hope you read, Jen. And <laughs> Jen can see them on the doc. So yeah. she knows what my long list is here. But the one that I wanted to recommend is Penelope Bagu's Brazen Rebel Ladies Who Rocked the World. And Sarah and Jen actually gave me this book. And <laughs> I wanted to recommend it because it I think it is quite different from most of the things that you read, Jen. So that's why I chose it. So the way that this is designed, it is a it is all graphic. And she the she is both an artist and she writes all the text. And it is vignettes of different amazing women throughout history. And I think the reason I think you'd love it, Jen, is because like I said, I think it is different in style from anything I've ever read. So I've read graphic memoirs, I've read graphic novels, but I've never read anything that has the vignette style that this has. And then also I think this sparks exploration of other things. And that's the thing I think you'll really love about it is that it you'll it gives you a chance to tap into the lives of all these different women and it opens the doorway to a lot of other books and other references about these women where you could learn more about them. So certainly there were people in there that I was familiar with, a few, and I'm sure there'll be people in there that you're familiar with, Jen. But for the most part, most of the women that she explores, I knew nothing about. And it's just totally fascinating because it moves through the span of all of human history and looks at the ways that women have change the world. And so I just love it because it, as the title suggests, it's very empowering, but it also shows a lot of women who make hard choices and who go against the status quo. And that's what brings about change. And so I think it's really hopeful in that way. And also just really fascinating. And she is just a phenomenal artist. Her It's funny. It's clever. Her text is amazing. So I, I know that you will love it. And again, that's Penelope Baguse, Brazen, Rebel Ladies Who Rocked the World. And thank you all for giving it to me. I love it. <laughs> hey, you are welcome. And I cannot wait to read it. I actually, I say this a lot, but uh, Kirk and I got to see her speak at the National Book Festival. And oh, wow. she was amazing in talking about the book. I always leave there with like a list of books added to my wish list. But yeah, she... <laughs> 
she was really fascinating. So, and it was great to hear about her process and like how she chose some of the women that she chose to feature. So yeah, I always you. picture Jen's wish list as like the Santa scroll for all the children in the world, and like he like <laughs> it just keeps going. She's like, and she's trying to. <laughs> that that is not inaccurate. Yes, <laughs> I could film it, and it might take a little while to film. I'm sure that would be fascinating for everyone. I'll share that soon. (laughs) I'll be looking for that video. That sounds great. (laughs) And it is good. I mean, we, we have talked about this on here before, but it is really important to have a good TBR list and to be working toward that. Because for sure, for me as a reader, having a better TBR stack, mine is now overwhelming. I've gone from not having enough to too much, but I think, you know, it definitely is what keeps me going and keeps my momentum going. And it's nice to have those choices and to pick up different things based on what is working for you at the moment. So, well, ladies, that is fascinating. And I am really looking forward to the recommendations you all made for me because I know that I'm going to love those books. So yeah, I think I always enjoy hearing. So like you said at the beginning, Ashley, like we are always chatting about books, but I also think it's different to chat about a book than to know that you guys have picked it out for me. So that it's always a fun process. It's fun to hear what you've chosen. Yeah, exactly. So today we're going to end with our Give Me One. And our chosen topic today is a song we'd sing at karaoke. So Sarah, what's one for you? Okay, I feel like I need to preface this. <laughs> that I, so number one, I, in college, you may not know this, but I worked at a karaoke bar in a beach town for a summer. And so I have been permanently scarred by karaoke. <laughs> so in order for me to sing karaoke and subject anybody to my horrible singing voice, there would have to be a lot of, adult beverages <laughs> provided. However, <laughs> if I were to choose, if I were to get up and sing karaoke, I I cannot pick between two songs. So I'm saying them both. So I'm going to give you two. Uh, so the first one is Journeys, Don't Stop Believing. I <laughs> love that song. When I, and I especially love the Glee rendition because I, I love Glee. <laughs> I love Glee. So when Finn and Rachel sang it on there, I was hooked and I love it. So that's the first one because it's like, it's just the best karaoke song. And to be able to wail that chorus, I mean, it's unbelievable. And then the second one is John Bon Jovi's Living on a Prayer because I am nothing if not a child of the late 80s, early 90s. And I mean, I listened to some John Bon Jovi and I had his poster on my wall when he had the long hair and the tattoo, the Superman tattoo and all that. And I've been to a concert to see him. And that song is like an anthem. And, and in fact, when I first met my husband, he lived in England and I went to visit him there and we went to a bar slash club there and they played Bon Jovi living on a prayer and everybody in England wailed that song and someone even had on a Bon Jovi New Jersey jean jacket so I think that that is a universal song that everybody knows and when you hear those opening chords you cannot help but sing and pump your fist so those are my two those are my two karaoke songs so for someone who doesn't like karaoke i have strong feelings about <laughs> about what i would sing <laughs> so I think Sarah, those are great choices i have to tell you when i was in elementary school band 
And this was at the time when I had braces and very large glasses with like the granny thing, you know, that you would put on so you could hang them around your neck because that was cool. And I had a great home perm and we played Bon Jovi's Living on a Prayer. I played flute. And so we have great home video of me like looking around at all my friends because it's going to be really cool. And then I pick up my flute and I do my flute part on Living on a Prayer. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever that my elementary school band was playing Bon Jovi's Living on a Prayer. You can see it glowing on my poor little face. (laughs) How cool I think we are. So I also have great affection for that song. If we get to 10,000 followers on Instagram, we'll release that video. (laughs) Notice that Jen did not say that. (laughs) But for real folks, we might consider it. Okay. (laughs) Instagram is holding us captive with needing 10,000 followers to do the swipes and the links and all that stuff. So (laughs) Jen's still like, uh... What are my friends doing to me? Not committing over here. Okay. Not committing. <laughs> what? But again, <laughs> I'm gonna move on. Uh, Jen, what about you? What would you? What's your song of choice aside from your amazing experience with living on? Earth? Yes, I, I can accompany you on flute. Okay, so <laughs> I had a different answer down first. I, let me just say, I will not do karaoke, and I have been in plays where I have I I cannot sing. I've I've shared before that I don't have a great singing voice, even though I've been in plays where I have to sing sometimes a cappella. It's just never a good choice for me. But to be honest, the things that I sing along to most and most enthusiastically are musicals. And this goes back to my best friend and I being obsessed with the soundtrack to Les Miserables and singing Javert and Jean Valjean's big dueling song (laughs) back and forth together, like at the top of our lungs every day after school. So this is who you're talking to here. Okay. So my current choice for a karaoke song is You'll Be Back from Hamilton. And this is the King's song. And let me just say the Moyers family does a great rendition in the car of You'll Be Back as we are traveling places. (laughs) None of us should be singing, but it, it is slightly better than when we try to rap along with the people in Hamilton. So I'll just say this is the song that King George sings when he's threatening America because they are, or, you know, threatening the rebels because they're getting ready to leave England. And he's like, I'm going to be, you know, you're going to be back because that's what happened. So it's said in Hamilton or Lin-Manuel Miranda talked about how this is like this, the old fashioned style because England was old fashioned. So he's sort of doing this song that I can actually sing along to while everyone else in, in the cast has moved on. So if you haven't heard it, you should listen. It's amazing. You'll be back from Hamilton. All right, Ashley. Awesome. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so I, as, as listeners may or may not know, kind of like Sarah's experience, I lived in Japan and we spent a lot of time in karaoke rooms in Japan. And so I have strong feelings about karaoke and I actually have all the feelings also, like not only do I have strong feelings about what song to pick, but also like one of them chose this topic and I felt really overcome with emotion just thinking about it because it is like, it made me realize that like, I think karaoke experiences, maybe you don't love them. That's okay. But they bring all of the senses. Like you have every sensory experience as part of it because it is like the smell and the auditory experience and you're singing. And um, so I think it brings a lot with it. So for sure, when this was posted, I was very nostalgic and felt 
transported to that exact time. And the number one song that my friends and I sang when we were in Japan was Neil Diamond's Sweet Caroline. (laughs) And that is a great karaoke song. So if you haven't tried it out before, definitely go for it. Great experience. And I think the other thing about that you might not know about karaoke bars in Japan is that you are actually renting a private space. And so when I got back to the States and wanted to do karaoke here, I was like, but I want the walls around my friends and me so that we can have fun together without this public performance component. And so that part is really different. I'm sure that there are places like that, like DC probably, I think that DC does have places that are like that. So I know in the States there are some of those, but for sure when we came back, we moved to Kentucky and we did go to bar. We went to a lot of bars and clubs back then. And some of them did have karaoke and it was really fun. I had one friend in Kentucky who he plays piano by ear. He was phenomenal and he had a phenomenal singing voice. And so we would go and, you know, all of us would just sort of sideline and enjoy our amazing singer friend um, (laughs) who did a really great job and was a really good performer. But I think what I really loved about that was just that it was a much more intimate and private experience. And so like you were saying, Jen, about your family singing, you'll be back. I mean, it was more of that sense of intimacy that you're doing it with your friends, but it takes away that performative component that I think is very intimidating for people when you have a big audience who's not just your friends. So (laughs) (laughs) anyway, yeah, that's a fun thing to think about. Maybe we'll get back to you all sometime with a karaoke rendition of something. (laughs) Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love how Sometimes I just like to prod my friend. We may have to put that on Patreon. We need a paywall oh. for that. I know. <laughs> Everybody's yeah, promising a lot of things here, and I am not committing to any of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, friends, uh, we will wrap it up here. Thank you for joining us today. Remember to check out if you're interested in supporting us and joining us, check out our unabridged ambassadors at unabridgedpod.com slash ambassadors. And let us know on social media what you recommend for us. We would love to hear it. Thanks for listening. Do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today? We'd love to hear them. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at unabridgedpod or on the web at unabridgedpod.com for a list of ways to support us. We'd like to thank Jared Featherstone, who composed our theme music, Strings of Light, and Katie Amy of Amy Photography, our podcast photographer. Thanks for listening to Unabridged.